it's just it's 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 a calling. It's a, it's so rewarding to get in there and and you know, I've always said this whenever I go and um, take care of somebody. I said the cavalry's here. Don't worry, we'll 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 take care of you. You know. Professional caregiving is America's largest occupation and fastest-growing workforce. Caregiving is also low-paid work with inconsistent hours and few benefits. I'm Chris Farrell. And I'm Twyla Dang. And this is Small Change, Money Stories from the Neighborhood. We're in New Braunfels, Texas, between Austin and San Antonio. This is Susie. Well, my my formal my f- formal name is Marie. I never went by Marie. Marie Suzanne Rivera. I go by Susie, Susie Rivera, and I'm a caregiver. And she's been a caregiver since 1986. I started taking care of a elderly lady in San Antonio, Texas, for um, privately. And then I liked doing it. After she passed away, I went to uh, work in nursing homes. And then in um, 1992, I went to take care of my grandfather in Colorado. And I helped my grandmother with him till he passed away. And when he passed away, I, I saw what a need it was for us out there, you know, what a relief it was for me to come and help my grandmother, all the pressure it, it took off of her of caring for him. Cause my my grandmother's already old and frail. Taking care of my grandfather, you know, it was taking a toll on her too. Sure. And I saw that when all this, you know, what a help we are to the families, you know, and then I saw it firsthand. So the way you describe it, I get the sense that you love being a caregiver. And why is that? It's just, it's, it's, it's a calling. It's, it's so rewarding to get in there and, and, you know, I've always said this whenever I go and um, take care of somebody, I said, the cavalry's here. Don't worry. We'll, we'll, we'll take care of you, you know? And such a, such a, uh, a relief is lifted off their shoulders. You know, these elderly folks, they, they need to live their golden years. They've already contributed to society. They've already um, gotten all their rewards and awards they're going to get in their life. They're at the end of life and, and, and somebody needs to be there for them, you know? So I just think it's so rewarding to, to do this kind of work. Is it hard to make a living? Yes, because we have to work so many hours, you know, there's no time off, there's no vacations, there's no uh, uh, holidays, this this is a 24-7 type of job, and, you know, people need care, people need, you know, to get somebody out of bed and feed them and change them and, and give them a shower and that they feel clean. Let me back up a little bit, um, I've done all kinds of aspects of this job i've done nursing home private sitting i've worked at end of life care i worked 10 years with hospice i was a hospice aide um and you don't know what a what a relief and joy it is for us to come in step in and 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 uh care for people you know you help them 
at the end of life, but you also uh, help them and their family with other, you know, the transition, you know, people celebrate yeah. birthdays and people celebrate the, the birth of a child. And, and it's a celebration to, to be with somebody at the end of life, you know, when they're, when they're passing. Yeah. Not, you know. So how old are you? Me, I'm uh, ooh, 64. I'll be 65 next year. Do you plan on continuing to do this? For a few more years, yes. I, uh, <clears throat> right now I work 72 hours a week. About uh, in June or July, my hours got cut. cut. I was working uh, 84 hours a week. And, and I plan to just keep doing this but not do maybe... 30 or 40 hours a week, but the need is out there. There's such a demand for this kind of work and it's hard. You know, I get a call, Susie, I need help. Do you know anybody who can take care of my mother or whatever? You know, I'm like, yes, I, I know somebody. And I I refer a lot of my coworkers to clients because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a contact and my name's out there. And I'm like, how did you get my number? Oh, so-and-so gave it to me. You know, it's, I can't do this work. I can't do it for you. I'm already working enough, but I'll send somebody out, you know. What do you make an hour? Make 15. 15 an hour. But not, that's ideal. That's ideal. Not a lot of people make that kind of money. Susie belongs to a caregiving cooperative. Unlike traditional for-profit agencies that hire home care workers, co-ops are worker-controlled and worker-owned. Co-ops provide members more training opportunities, steadier hours, and benefits. Any profits are distributed as dividends to members. Tell us about the co-op. How did you end up in the co-op? What's it like working in a co-op? I've been with them since the beginning. Uh, I guess they were like, I don't know, six months in operation, and I went in there, and and I didn't know it was a co-op. I was just looking for a job. I thought it was an agency, but I found out that um, it was a co-op and it was employee owned and we haven't made money where we can get our rewards. We haven't made any money yet, but when we do, we'll be a part of that. But we have a, we have a decision making on everything. In fact, recently uh, the board had a, had a meeting and we gave a raise to the co-op members, to the girls that are out there working and doing home care. You talked a little bit earlier about how you work 72 hours mm-hmm. um, a week, and that's like a reduction of what you used to work. Um, is is that reflection of work hours um, more about the dedication to the job or that you need to work that many hours to be able to just have quality of life? It's a, it's a combination of both. It's a combination of both. Um, the, like I said, the work's out there, um, and in order to make yeah ends meet too, you know, you you do what you do, you have to do because if you don't work, you don't get paid. You know, we don't have the luxury of working from home, working remotely. We 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 have to get out there and do it, and uh, it, it's it's part it's part that, and and you know, you do a lot of things too from your heart. You do a lot of things. You know, on like, like uh, I don't know, little things. Let, let's let's uh, you know celebrate their birthdays, or if you're off, you still go over there and visit them. You still call them. You become part of the family. 
And the family really de depends on some of these caregivers to be there. Because if they can't be there, they can't go to work. They have to be the one caring for their mother or their father. But it's a combination of both uh, uh, dedication and liking their job. And, and, and uh, it, to me, it's all one circle and getting the most from, a com from your community, you know. Take pride in your community and who are there in the community, the elderly, that they need the, the help. Susie gives a lot to her job. And so does her wife. But it's more than just the time Susie spends on the job. It's a commitment that her family shares with her clients. My wife is a, is a, a real big team player. She, we've been together how many years, Carr? Um, shoot, 20, 28, 29 years. And she's okay with my schedule. She knows I need to get out there and do it. I mean, she's used to me telling her, oh, I'm sorry, but uh, um, we can't go do that. I got to go do this for this family. I promised them. She's really supportive. And before COVID, I would invite people I took care of. I would invite them to my home and I'd go pick them up. I have a ramp that comes up to my deck, my, uh, into my mobile home on a deck. And I would invite them to come over for Thanksgiving if they didn't have anybody. Thanksgiving and Christmas. Now, New Year's was mine. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. <laughs> a wild and crazy time? <laughs> I would, yeah. I would invite them and, and uh, I'd go pick them up. And, and, and she, did, she did this kind of work, too. She worked in a nursing home. She was one of the ones that had the happy pills. She would pass them their medications. And uh, the last seven years, she worked in medical records, and she was there a good 30, 30 years at that nursing home. And that's not, um, that's not usually what happens. Usually they, they move around from nursing homes, but she was at that place 30 years. She retired from there a forced retirement because she couldn't work no more due to her health. And uh, she's very supportive of me. And that's what you need to, you need a, a supportive partner. You need a supportive, you know, significant other in your life that, that sees, you know, and that makes it easier. Susie, what is, what usually happens? Like, tell me about how the nature of the work has changed since COVID has come along. Some of the elderly care don't want people in their homes and you know, you have to be there. They don't want them to come in because they're fearful of it coming into their home. It's the elderly care that are, that are, you know, fearful. <clears throat> Let me give you a good example. Back in, um, beginning of January of 2020, um, I was caring for this elderly doctor and coronavirus and coming coming from china and all this was just starting it was just new and i was serving that gentleman i was serving him his breakfast and and he got him got a hold of my hand when i was giving him his breakfast and he goes i'm not gonna lose you are am i are you still gonna continue to work for me if you don't i i don't have anybody like it that could come in and take care of me so that that was an eye opener, you know. I said, "Wow, look, 
he's he's afraid that I won't come because I'm afraid of catching it. They won't have the help if you're not there. And and it's the, the thing that's changed in, in caregiving when COVID came is that you really had to be there more now for them because already they rely on you. They depend on you. You know, uh, you have to be there to, to, to care for them. And they're, the elderly are worried. So I think that's where it's changed a lot. So I had spoke to Susie before. I interviewed her for a column I wrote during the height of the pandemic about essential workers. And something she said about how she relaxed stuck with me. Now, are you still, and I'm going to have it slightly off, so you have to correct me, but are you still taking drives on, is it, is oh, it yes. on Sunday? Yes. In fact, this, this Sunday is another drive, but I don't know where. Uh, that's just for, to keep everybody in the house from getting cabin fever, you know? They, uh, we go for, for drives and sometimes it's like, uh, we go to the hill country, Fredericksburg, they have different, uh, um, uh, it's a lot of area. One time we took like a 240 drive, 40 mile drive. Yeah, it was, it's nice. We just go, we go the other side of Austin, we go, you know, and we'll pick up something and we'll, we'll eat it on. On the way, we'll see a nice, pretty area. We'll stop and eat there. So how do you deal with the stress? It's hard. It's hard. Um, my, uh, my wife has a lot of underlying conditions as far as health. She has rheumatoid arthritis, uh, fibromyalgia. She's a diabetic. She, in fact, she went to... Um, the rheumatoid arthritis doctor and he, she went last week and he suggested, he said, you're one of the um, high risk people. So we're offering the COVID booster. She's going to take it. Um, it's, it's just, I, I don't know. It just, it, it, it's, it's just scary. I mean, yeah. Yeah, that is scary. Susie, are you more worried about are you more worried about your wife getting sick or are you more worried about the um any sort of risk you might pose to her getting sick? I'm worried about her getting sick. Me being uh I really I'm I'm really cautious. I you know, the, at the house they kind of like get me as being real paranoid about it. But I'm like, oh, for the safety, I won't, I won't look out for y'all's safety. I've always been a proactive person, you know? And it's like, no, 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 I'm not being paranoid. I just don't want, you know, I don't want my wife. I'm worried about her. I worry about her getting sick. We'll be back with more Small Change. Small Change is supported by Thrivent through generous support from the Thrivent Foundation. Thrivent is driven by a higher purpose to help people achieve financial clarity and to make the most of all they've been given. Small Change is also supported in part by the McKnight Foundation, which works to advance a more just, creative, and abundant future where people and planet thrive. Learn more at mcknight.org. 
Welcome back to Small Change. Caregivers have been called essential workers during the pandemic. The workforce is mostly women, women of color and immigrant women. The typical caregiver earns a low wage with inconsistent hours and no benefits. Susie does better than many at $15 an hour. Yet the demand for home health aides and caregiving jobs is on the rise, thanks to an aging population. There were some 54 million Americans 65 years and older in 2019, and by 2030, that group will reach 73 million. It's going to take more than better wages to attract more caregivers into the profession. The caregiving that you're doing, the way you're describing it, the calling. I mean, don't caregivers need to be paid more? It's it's not only that. They need to be paid more. They need to have benefits. We need to have time off. We need to care for us. We're too busy doing all the care that we neglect ourselves. And that's bad because we need to take care of ourselves too. Because without us, they won't, the care won't be done, won't be um, given. Um, there's so many... Um, not, it's not only pay, it's other, other um, benefits that they need and they, they just don't have them. But I think that's why so many of us work so many hours because we need to get paid better for us not to overstress or overwork ourselves. And that's what we do because we need, we need to get the good, uh, good pay for that kind of work. You know, if I were a young person, I came to you and said, look, I, I'm, I, I think I might want to be a caregiver. What would you recommend to that person, uh, you know, about the caregiver career? Uh, I've kind of been in those shoes, too. Um, I tell them that, first off, they have to have a, a heart to do this kind of work. I would like them to, to take care of the person they're caring for, like they're caring for their family. Pretend you're caring for your elderly grandfather. Pretend you're caring for your elderly grandmother. How would you like them and put them in their shoes? How would you like them to be treated by somebody coming into the house and taking care of them? I give them my phone number. If they're ever in a situation, call me and I'll try to walk them through it. Uh, and And if it was you coming, I'd say yes. I would welcome you because we need men. We need men to do this kind of work too. Um, And I would tell them to take care of themselves. Don't get burned out. You know, it's very easy to get burned out. Um, Good body mechanics. Use good body mechanics. I think this is one reason why I've done it for so long because so many friends that I have aren't doing this kind of work anymore. Co-workers I was working for. I've heard that now they're having back problems. You have to use very good body mechanics. And it's going to be repetitious. And, you know, you need, you know, we need to get out there. We, you need to get out there and you need to do this kind of work. And And the hours are... You can make your own hours. You can work days. You can work nights. You can work, you know, you have your own hours. 
and I, I would just welcome you and give you my phone number if you had any problems. Uh, for, for people that might not know, can you explain a little bit about, about uh, body mechanics? Body mechanics, yes. Like if you're, um, you're putting on their shoes or, or, or um, putting socks on them, I would always sit on the floor. I'm not going to bend over or reach down. That wears and tears your body. Um, whenever you're talking to them, kind of kneel down next to them and, and, and give eye-to-eye contact. Don't lean over as much. And, and when, you're, when you're making the bed, if the bed can get raised, you know, raise it up and make the bed. Uh, making sure that um, your... Um, All these things that you do to your to your body, it's repetitious. This work is just repetitious. And over time, if you don't take care of it and you don't do it the right way, it's going to take a toll on you when you get older. So you really need to... Um, some people use those back braces. Some people use... Um, uh, oh... If you see that you can't do it and, you and you know, somebody's really heavy, it is, I'm talking about a nursing home, you get another buddy, get another buddy to help you because it's too much weight for you. You know, always call for help, even family member if they're there, you know, um, just just take care of yourself, you know, as far as twisting and turning and watch all those kind of maneuvers. But most of all, um I've seen just back back problems. Susie is her family's sole provider. She loves her job, and she puts in an incredible number of hours to pay the bills. Now, that's a lot of financial responsibility. So we wondered how she learned to manage money. Susie, I have a question. We, um, we ask this question of all of our guests that come on our show. Um, how, did you, how did you learn about money growing up? Oh, that... I, I, I didn't. I, I learned it on my own. My, that wasn't part of things that they, they taught us. My dad was in the military. He retired. Uh, there's a little base called Randolph Air Force Base. He retired there in 1976. And they didn't teach us any of that. I, I learned it on my own. In fact, I'm a... It, it was hard, you know, it's hard living from paycheck to paycheck. We were not taught about saving it or or anything like that, like I'm doing now. Uh, I learned it from other people. I learned, I, I learned it from, even from some of the people I've taken care of. They've taught me about how to handle finances and how to do... Uh, as far as money and I'm, I'm, that's what I'm trying to do right now. Like I said, I plan to start drawing social security when I'm 67. I'm trying to become debt free. And I've, I have managed to pay off a lot of my credit cards and I haven't used them. And I want to have just the essential bills I need on a monthly basis when I retire. But somebody has showed me one of the uh, elderly people I take care of. They're 
their daughter has showed me how to how to do as far as paying off credit cards and don't even get in that one in anymore. Just cancel it. You know, I've learned it from other people. I didn't, I, I didn't growing up. We were not taught any of that. It was, I learned it all on do my you, own. Do you think that on some level, the, the opportunity for say the people you care for and their families to help you learn that information, do you think on some level that that feels like a reciprocity, like it's like it's a it's something they can extend back to you for all you give to them. Yes, and let me let me give you a very good example. I always, I live in a mobile home park, and I have moved my mobile home three times. And the person that I get for my electrician, I took care of his dad, his papa on hospice, and he was an electrician, and he had a business, and his son takes care of me now anytime I need anything I can call him so to me what comes around goes around it's all one big you know cycle <laughs> and and they have they have and they 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 reach out and other folks that I've taken care of they still contact me how am I doing uh they'll send me a a, a birthday present you know a, a card to go out to eat they they appreciate it and they they know fully what type of work and what we go through. Those people appreciate us. Is there a moment when you learn something about money from, you know, one of the people you're working with that sort of has really stuck with you? Uh, well, what they said, you know, um, one of them did tell me, you know, when when you retire you want to just have monthly payments that you have each month live cable that's all you want you just want that you know and that that stuck out to me because i said oh my god i'm in a lot of debt i won't be able to survive if i was to retire right now you know that was an eye-opener when they said that Susie has said something that keeps coming up in our small change conversations, the role that community, mutual support, and learning plays in managing money well. This made us wonder, what can we do as a community to provide more support to caregivers? I would tell them, maybe you right now have not had the need to have someone care for you in your family because your family doesn't need this kind of help at this time. You don't know what it's like, but imagine having to care for your husband if he's had a stroke and he's home. Imagine you having to do all that work. Well, there are people out there that do do that. And these people need to be paid a decent wage. And I would tell them to kind of like put themselves in, in that, in those shoes. Th- that's what opened my eyes by taking care of my, my, uh, my grandfather. And that's what needs to open people's eyes f- to have them try to do this kind of work. Cause they, they tell me all the time, you know, you, you, um, you make it easy. You make it seem easy. You come in here, you do. And the, 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 the daughter says, I'm huffing and puffing when I do what you've done. So 
that is what I would tell them. Put yourselves in, in our shoes. And let's see you just do one day, one eight-hour shift, and and see what the need is out there. Susie, what can you share with people? Because you do this work and you do this caregiving work every day. What would you want people to know about um, caregiving? What do you want them to know um, as we're starting to think about how, you know, we're all starting to age and how we want to start how we need to be thinking, what kind of conversations we need to be having with our loved ones? Well, start them early where, you know, everybody's kind of in their right mind. Um, In November, I lost my father. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear that. Yes. And we've been dealing with a hard time with my mother. My mother, my father was the one caring for my mother. So we had to learn a lot of new things about my mom. The family needs to really step in and and get involved in their their mother and father's care. Because a lot of times the mother will cover for the father or the father will cover for the mother. And they both know that one of the other is sick, but they're not disclosing this to the children. And, And not only that, but this job, we need to have more men doing this kind of work because our population is living longer and our, and our population is getting heavier. And, you know, look at a guy, you know, you go to a, a, anywhere, the, the store, you go put gas, look at a guy that's like six feet t- tall and he's heavy and he's, I look at them all the time and I say, oh my gosh, the, when it's time to take care of him, it's going to be hard. You know what I'm saying? That's the way I look at things. Sure. You know? And and this kind of work, it people aren't gravitating toward this kind of work. And we need to have more people that want to do this kind of work. And and it, and it comes down to everything else with with you know they need more pay, they need benefits. You got to give an initiative. For people to want to do this kind of work, hey, let me check that out. It, it's pretty good pay. They got good benefits. I might try that, you know. But if there's if it's if if the incentive's not there, nobody's going to want to do it, and it's going to be hard because I'm looking at myself. I'm coming up on that age now, you know, 64. I'll be 65 next year. Who's going to care for me? Susie doesn't have an answer, and neither do we. But we need one. Caregivers deserve better pay and benefits so that people can age with dignity and caregivers can pursue their calling with respect. Caregivers deserve our support for the work they do. Thank you for listening. Small Change is a production of Minnesota Public Radio and American Public Media. Small change would not have been possible without the work of many people, including Executive Producer Stephanie Curtis, Editor Alex Simpson, Intern Arshia Hussein, Producer Veronica Rodriguez, Original Music is by Dexter Wolf. You can find other Small Change episodes and find resources for more information about money by going to our website, smallchainstories.org. You'll also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram.